Hi, this is Aaron Douglas. I'm Chief Tyrrell in Battlestar Galactica, and you are listening to Galactica Quorum online. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. It's like they had drawn out all these plans for this big story arc, and then the sci-fi channel kind of said, well, you've got to do it in this amount of time. So they're still going through all the grand plans. They're just crunching them down, and things that seem like they should take a longer time to explore are getting done in like one and two episodes. Aaron Douglas brought up a really cool ending. He thought it would be cool if we ended it that they go to Earth and coming towards them are like hundreds of Leobins and Sixes. You know who's done that? See, that's Planet of the Apes. I get a towel here. <laughs> I need to wipe my hand. Lee is out. Duala is out. All those guys are out. Drool's a wrap. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. A podcast about Battlestar Galactica. I am Brian and joining me today is... Dimitri. We have a website that's galacticaquorum.com, an email, gquorum at gmail.com. I'll spell it one more time for you, g-q-u-o-r-u-m at gmail.com. And our voicemail, 206-350-6756. Come visit our website, sign up for the forums. We also have presence on Facebook and MySpace want to say up front that we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast. I say that every time, even though they do not seem to be publishing them right now. But just want to get that out in the clear. So we have no spoilers that we'll be talking about. I don't watch the previews anyway, but there are obviously no previews coming up because the show isn't coming on for a while. But we will be speculating about all that's going on with a big mid-season finale. Just want to bring up a few cons. Gen Con Oz is July 3rd to 6th in Brisbane. That will feature James Callis and Jamie Bamber. A week or so after that is Shore Leave in Baltimore, Maryland, July 11th to 13th. That's going to have Mark Shepard, Leah Cairns, a.k.a. Racetrack, Jewel State from Stargate and Firefly, and George Takai. Following that, the next month is Dragon Con in Atlanta. Don't need to do any introductions about that. That's August 29th through the 31st. I still need a room, please. Someone, if you know of a spot in one of the four hotels, uh, please send us an email. We have a few voicemails. Some relate to the episode in particular, so we will defer those until we actually get to talking about the episode. Uh, But we do have one first off, so let's listen to that one now. Yeah, hi, my name is Dave. I'm calling from uh, Salt Spring Island in British Columbia. I love your podcast. You guys do a great job. I listen to it every week. I couldn't help but call in about your question about Cassiopeia in the first series. Uh, she was what they called a socialator. And uh, actual fact, she was also the socialator for Admiral Kane in the first series. Uh, Cassiopeia would have been a great name uh, to give for the character of Ellen, who was, uh, you know, with Colonel Ty. It would made a lot of sense to me. I mean, they brought back uh, the name Starbuck. They brought back Apollo. They even brought back Boomer, although they didn't bring back Jolly and a bunch of other people. Also, I can't help but think of the very first season as this uh, last season is unfolding. And there were there was like a double episode called War of the Gods that was extremely popular and really controversial about these angels in ships of light, basically, that reveal uh, to the uh, galactic crew the location of Earth. 
And actually, if you notice, the final five Cylons in the Opera House are also cloaked in these bright white cloaks, the same way that the angels were draped in bright white cloaks in the Ships of Light in the first series. And also, these angels sort of go on to play a role in the second short-lived series, Galactica 1980, when that uh, series is basically, you know, going to be canceled. They had one episode that described the origin of Dr. Z, as you probably all know. It was the love child of Starbuck and one of these angels, basically, who uh, appeared to him as a human uh, when Starbuck had been stranded on a planet. So I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form if at the end of the series, somehow it turns out that the final five Cylons are in fact some sort of um, angels through either the old religion or the new religion, and uh, they're here to guide the humans, or most likely their human offspring, or human angel offspring, uh, to Earth. So it'll be interesting as the series unfolds. I look forward to listening to your podcast to get your views as well. Thanks again, and, thanks again, and uh, keep up the good work. Bye. We've gotten a lot of input and feedback from people who think that there's a connection with the ships of light and the, the glowing vipers and the white stuff. And actually, at the beginning of the season, when Starbuck drew that painting, it looked a lot like the ships of light. I don't think they're going to quite go there, but there is still a lot that needs to be explained. And I don't know that they're going to totally rip something from the old show because that, to me, would be uh, lazy, I guess. But I don't know. There's obviously something more going on. Starbuck referenced that some higher power is guiding them somehow. I don't think it's ships of light per se, but there's probably something. And just one other quick note, Jolly was actually, in a, for a very brief time, mentioned in the miniseries. He was one of the pilots that got wiped out in the first wave, basically. He had a very, very short cameo. <laughs> it, wasn't the act, it wasn't the original guy, but it was just another guy named Jolly. Okay, here comes our next voicemail. This one is from Jesse. Hi, gang. I'm a new listener, and I am loving the podcast. It's a truly entertaining half hour, and I do appreciate the hard work you put into producing it. I did want to share what happened to me this weekend because I know that y'all are someone who could share my vein. Friday afternoon, I got home and my cable was out. After calling my cable company, who shall remain nameless, Verizon, I found out that an upgrade that was pushed to all HD DVR set-top boxes went wrong, and they were having to reset the code. TV service was not restored until Sunday evening, about 7 p.m. I missed the latest episode of Battlestar. Thank goodness for the video on demand, so I will get to see the episode, but I'm thinking this may be a secret Cylon plot. My TVs are networked together. Anyway, have a great week, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts in the first half of this season. Also look forward to hearing how you'll fill episodes during the break. It should be a lot of fun. Keep hope alive, Jesse Jackson. I have the same uh, cable provider, and they do some crazy things for me, but overall, I think uh, I'll keep them. He asked about what we plan to do in the break. I guess I should bring up the news that seems to be unconfirmed at this point, but it seems like probably is the situation is that Battlestar will be off the air until early 2009. Now, last year, they said the same thing, and we thought, oh, early means January, but that turned out to be not true. So I would like to think that it's January or February, but early could be any time, really. Who knows? That is a huge-ass time for a mid-season break. Right. I can possibly accept that if it was the end of the season going on through the next season, like season five. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, why not just call it... 2009? Why not just call it season oh, five? Because if God. you look at network television, they end in May and they come back in, what, August, September. And that's for five months at the most. And it's a new season. This is ridiculous. So, yeah. I mean, I'll wait, of course, and I'll watch it with glee, but that's ridiculous. In the interim, last, Jesse, last uh, year in the mega hiatus that we had then, we did a lot of Galactica news and uh, con stories, but we also we started talking about other sci-fi shows. For the most part, they were all junk, but <laughs> we did them anyway until we got tired and we scrapped them. This year, I don't know, Brian, if you had a chance to uh, catch Charlie Jade. It was on Sci-Fi, aired two weeks ago was the first episode. Last week on Friday, uh, my files didn't pick it up and didn't record. <laughs> but Charlie Jade is an interdimensional cop thriller. Mm. It looks to be pretty good. The actor was cool. And I think it, it has potential. So anyway, we'll do stories like that, other sci-fi shows. Yeah, we managed to survive a whole year. And this year, we have plans it was pretty much a year ago that I first had the idea and an intention of doing a virtual Firefly season. Never quite got around to it, but this time, promise you, it is going to happen after we do a few more Battlestar wrap-ups, which I'll have to mention that in a second. We'll do a virtual Firefly season in which basically we will, every episode, talk about a new Firefly episode as if it had happened on TV you know, the previous week. So we'll be doing that. We are going to be attending some cons. Michelle is going to Dragon Con for sure. I am hoping to go to Dragon Con again if I can get accommodations. And I'm also thinking about doing a retrospective of the original series of Battlestar. Not show by show, not a whole virtual season because that's... It'd be too long and I frankly don't know if I could stomach it because it's just too much cheese factor. But I do want to revisit some of the key episodes and they are available on for the most part on either NBC.com or Hulu.com. So they're accessible to everyone, at least in the United States. So that's something um, we could look at. And I can finally talk about Boxy. Boxy. Right. Now, I mentioned a wrap-up. In this episode of our podcast, we're going to be talking about the mid-season finale. Next episode, we're going to do some wrap-ups. We're going to catch up on some more email. And what I'm hoping to do, actually, is get some of our regular and consistent contributors who have called us in with voicemails and emails and actually get them involved live on the podcast. So I've contacted a few of you. If you have been a contributor in the past and most of you know who you are, please send us an email at our email address so I can get more contact information from you because I'd really like to set up sort of a, a little town hall of some of the listeners and get some of your feedback about what you thought about the last half season, where you think things might be going. So that should be fun. So again, send us an email and we'll try to get uh, something worked out. So, yes, we will be sticking around during the off-season. Keep us subscribed. It costs you nothing. We're sticking around. We stuck around during the off-season last year. Uh, we really, especially now, we've gotten just so much great response, and we've got a whole bunch more listeners and so much more feedback, and it's really great because we're getting lots of calls and input from people, and it's really taking off now. So stick around and keep contributing because it really helps make the podcast all it can be. Okay, so I think we are ready to move into our summary and discussion of this episode, Revelations. Just one more time, I'd like to bring up that Pike has been doing the videos that are appearing on YouTube. I'm also posting them on our website as well. It's kind of weird doing the last summary for how many months now, but 
Here we go. This is for the episode, Revelations. Deanna, taking a cue from Rosalind's double dealing in the previous episode, has no qualms about altering their arrangement. She holds the humans hostage until the final four, not five, are delivered to the base star. Tori says, see ya, losers, and goes over to the base star to hang with her peeps. The anxious final four get another jolt when the mysterious Cylon signal buzzes their brains again. They converge in the hangar deck, drawn to Starbucks Viper. Time is short because Deanna is beginning to execute hostages. Ty goes to face Adama and tells him he's a Cylon. Adama goes nuts, and with no model ship to break, pretty much trashes everything else in the room. Afterwards, he's like that drunk friend from college, apologetic, sobby, and ugh, drooling. Ty is put in a launch tube. Next, Chief and Anders are rounded up in front of a shocked Starbuck. Lee grows a pair and issues an ultimatum to Deanna. Release the hostages or Ty sucks space. Starbuck settles into the Viper looking for a clue. She has an intuition and flips on the previously overlooked Find Earth switch. Baltar tries to reason with Deanna as red-tipped nukes target the civilian fleet. With no time to dial a phone, Starbuck races through the ship. Lee has his finger on the vent button and Ty is about to get freeze-dried in space when Starbuck bursts into the room. She exclaims that they have a way to Earth. Lee makes an offer to the Silence to join up. Deanna accepts, and everyone exhales. Adama addresses the fleet. It was a hard three-year journey, but they have found Earth. Celebrations erupt across the fleet. Joyous handshakes, back-slapping, Lee jumping up on the console like Tom Cruise on Oprah's couch, deckhands kissing like revelers on VJ Day 1945, Baltar's flock joining arms in preparation for one hell of an orgy, fireworks over Endor. It's a beautiful day. And then... The landing party makes Planetfall. For the refugees, it is a sort of homecoming. Perhaps expecting a city of blinding lights, they instead are numb and deflated. Earth is a desolate, deserted dump. Roll credits. Actually, I felt like it was the Planet of the Apes. I half expected to see the uh, Statue, of Liberty. Statue of Liberty on the side <laughs> of the beach. <laughs> that would have been a funny homage to the yeah, wrecked planet. It would it would have been too, too obvious. Yeah. Maybe just a spike. <laughs> just an odd sort of, huh, was that a... Nah. Well, they left it vague enough so that it wasn't an identifiable city that they found. And it almost looked like the ruins that they were in resembled the book that Apollo was looking at in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like this temple of whatever the name it was. And one other thing that was interesting is when they did arrive at the planet, Gaeta said that the constellations matched and everything was correct. But the planet, you saw really no recognizable continents. And right. the city you saw was a city in ruins, but it wasn't any city that we would recognize. It was kind of generic. So I guess in theory, this is where the speculation for the next six, seven, eight months begins is, did they really find Earth? For me, this episode breaks into two parts and we can discuss in whatever order. But there was the first three quarters, the first three acts. And then there was the last bit when they actually get to what we think is Earth. But before I get to that, um, do you want to have any initial comments about the episode in general? You touched on it, and you said, ooh, about the Adama saliva on Lee's hand. And I thought, <laughs> now we laugh about it. But when I was watching the episode, I thought that was some intense acting. I mean, that was like awesome acting for a sci-fi TV show. Mm-hmm. And I'm in awe that more people aren't watching the show just because of that. You know, scrap the fact that it's in space. We would discuss this to the death. There's very little space sci-fi stuff, even though this season has been a lot more than season three. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool, but the people drama is really good. I-, I was just really impressed. I mean, I wonder if, like, Jamie Bamer was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Wait, I didn't realize we were gonna act this much. <laughs> can can I get we a, take? Can we take another take? Can I get a towel here? <laughs> I need to wipe my hand. Um, and can we take two? <laughs> I mean, did it, how can, can you take two on that sort of I don't thing? Know. Or I, was that just like that could have been like the last take? And just like, mm. okay, drool's a wrap. <laughs> That's that's the day that Jamie Bamber stormed off the set. I cannot work in these conditions. <laughs> or give that a, an English accent. I can't work in these conditions. Um, that sounds like C three PO. I liked I liked the episode. I mean, I haven't been podcasting in a while, so a few weeks ago there was a episode that I didn't like. It was like piecemeal of all kinds of stories bunched together. But this one really was really good. I really enjoyed watching it. Well, see, for me, it's kind of the opposite. I didn't love the episode that you were referring to. I think it's Sine Quinon is the one that you thought was sort of eh. I thought it was pretty good because I thought it was a good continuation of the previous episode. And I saw that sort of like one long arc, almost as if in a long movie. And this one, again, I break it into two parts. Like I'm, I'm going to address the, the whole Earth thing later. But like the beginning part of the episode, I just felt just unsatisfied because it was just so rushed. I I felt like, well, the main thing was the whole bit about the dueling hostage crisis thing didn't work as well for me because I feel like they had done the Deanna standoff before where she's on one ship and, oh, he'll blink, he'll blink. And, and they're on the other ship and they're like, oh, well, she'll blink. And obviously the stakes were high because you have Ty sitting there in the launch tube ready to be jettisoned out into space. But that part of it for me was just sort of like, uh, I don't know. I just, I just didn't quite. Maybe it would have worked except the other part, which I really hope would be more fulfilling, was Ty's admission that he was a Cylon. And I love the thing with him and Adama. And again, Edward James almost his performance, just incredible. I mean, he's this tough guy. And to portray he's just the character down. breaking down, drooling, and just like a total fucking mess. Just incredible. That's acting, you know, that's just incredible. That's an Emmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it was like, he found out, and then like, the whole ship knew. You're like, I felt cheated. Well, that okay, I so guess- many people were like, the next scene you see, everyone knows, and then they go and they round up the other guys, and you see Starbucks' reaction, and then everyone knows. And I feel like I didn't get uh, a payoff there. So it, no, I guess you're, you're no, you're right. Your valid points. I guess just there are certain scenes in the show that were so awesome to me that I, like you said, the acting was so stellar that it, it took the some of the not so good scenes and kind of just pushed them to the back. And all I can remember was, but now that we're talking about it, you're right. It was a little rushed. And then, uh, if you don't mind, just jumping to the end, that was rushed too. Yeah, like just boom, they're at Earth. I mean, like weren't they really far away? I mean, yeah. just just because the Cylons have the way to get there, they just jumped there too quickly. I don't think they actually said how many jumps it would take, but it was like, they made it seem like they made one jump and they were there, but it wasn't. It was probably more than one. So there was a bit of time that was supposed to have elapsed. But I guess just getting back to my other point, like last season, the end of season three, I was disappointed in that season finale with the trial episode and the verdict. And it wasn't the verdict that I was unhappy with. It was the means at which they had arrived at the verdict. Like, the trial, I didn't feel like they executed that very well. So, I gave that episode kind of a mediocre grade, even though it had a lot of really substantial developments with, like, the final four Cylons and them in the nebula. And I kind of felt that way here as well. Not quite as much of a disappointment, but it was like, I understand where they need to get 
It was just the way and the pace that at which they did it. I wish they had taken more time. And I really feel like this half season could have been a full season. I see now that season four could have been two seasons because we mentioned in the previous podcast how some of the episodes seem to have been really quick, like the Demetrius storyline, two, three episodes. And maybe one of those episodes, they were shown for like a few minutes in like another episode where they were just like the smallest portion of it. Could have been longer. The whole Cylon Civil War, whew, that went by fast. And we hardly saw it. The Lee presidency thing. This is something that Jason might have brought up. Why all the drama about having him become the president if he was going to do it for like 10 seconds, you know? Right. He, he was long enough to like make the call to call Deanna's bluff. But other than that, does he really have to be the president to do that? And especially now that I think about at the end of this episode where they find Earth, you know, you're like, well, wasn't that the whole point of the show? <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can talk about that. It's like when I first saw the episode, I was like, what are they doing? I was kind of put off really because I was like, is the last 10 episodes supposed to be about who the final five is? Because I don't I don't care. I'm kind of done with the final five stuff. If that's what the final 10 episodes is about, I'm really not that interested. Because Earth was like, that's been in the credits from the beginning. They're trying to find Earth, trying to find Earth. And they get to Earth. And I let it sink in a little while. And I've come around thinking a little differently. Again, going back to this concept that it could have been an extra season. I think the final 10 episodes will be pretty radical. <laughs> I think they're going to do something that we totally did not expect. Oh, you're, you're buzzing. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm going to put you on speakerphone. Yeah, go ahead, Jen. Okay. Hey, guys. Hey. Did you talk about the part where Deanna says the four are in your fleet? Oh, uh, not yet. Okay. We will get to that, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the assumption would be that the fifth is on the base star. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Okay. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. Bye. We have a guest call in. Look at that. <laughs> what was I saying? Something radical. And after I thought about it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to trust them to go from that point. What they did with the new Caprica cliffhanger where they just kind of left us there. and was like, whoa, a year later, this happens. And I trusted them then. And I think they have a good idea. They're not just like doing this for shock value. I think they're doing it because they actually have a good plan that they're going to make this extend beyond just this destination of what we think is Earth and then something else is going to happen because there's still plenty of stuff they have to discover about the opera house, the hybrids, all those things. Maybe I'm a little confused, but how did Gaeta know that the constellations match? Where does he get that information from? Is the information gotten from the shiny viper? That I took as being from when they were on COBOL and they're in that planetarium thing. Yeah. I think they like took recordings of that and that was their guide. Because, I mean, constellations really, they can go really far. Right. So, I mean, theoretically, they could be on the wrong planet. A la Star Trek, maybe, because, I mean, this is a different world. So, two, they could have possibly landed on the wrong side of the planet. It's kind of like a Star Trek thing where, you know, they beam down and there's this crazy race of people, but they're only in one city on this gargantuan ball. Mm -hmm. How about the other side? Maybe there's some normal people beam out, fly around to the other mm -hmm. side, land, right? Mm -hmm. So, maybe they're just on the wrong. Maybe there was a war mm -hmm. and it's a memorial now or something. Mm -hmm. So, what made me think that this is not uh, an ending in the last 10 episodes going to be like this just kind of epilogue where they wrap things up for 10 episodes and tell us who the fifth is, is there's been some news about 
what's going to happen next half season. Let's just call it season five. Let's you know? just call it season five. It's season five, damn it. Okay. Number if it one. starts in 2009 and it's 2008 <laughs> now and it's six months away, I second that. Okay. If Michelle were here with the wings, which we would be eating with our beer, <laughs> she would also agree with us. Season five. Okay. So some news items that I've read on some of the TV blogs. Number one, there's news that the finale, the series finale, the last episode ever is as written and the script would take three hours to do three hours. So that's one big episode. Okay. You don't just have an epilogue of so many episodes and then have a big whopper finale. Number two, there's talk among sci-fi channel that they're going to do two other TV movies for Battlestar. What they entail, not necessarily this storyline. It sounded like they wanted to do something kind of a la Razor where they went back in time or did something off the side. Hey, maybe they'll do my Dadiana story. I should get, but anyway, they're going to do that. And the other thing, which is really intriguing, is the news that they're going to have webisodes again, which are going to bridge between this last episode and the next episode. So there is some sort of filling connection that needs to be made between that part and this part. So that tells me it's going to be some sort of springboard into another Whopper story. And again, if if season five should have been a full season five, they need webisodes to connect because they need that extra time. They need a three-hour finale to finish the story because it needs to be that big. So I have confidence that, yes, they will go ahead and expand the story. It's not just they found Earth and it's over. There's still more to tell. You know what's interesting about what you just said with the webisodes and the three-hour series finale and the movies? It seems like they said a couple of years ago, okay, season four is going to be your last season. And who knows if it's the story or it's the hype because they wrote it about it in all of the local papers earlier this year. They, there's articles about it and everything. So is it possible that all of a sudden it's gotten all this attention from viewers that now they're trying to, you know, they've already written it off as mm-hmm. season four and now they're trying to milk it for more because they made a mistake. Could they just say, okay, we made a mistake and we can have season five or is it too late now because they've written it to a certain place mm-hmm. now that they're in a box. They have to finish it. Right. Well, two things. One, I think they definitely have saw that the ratings for the season have been improved. And so that I think sci-fi might have said, you know what, let's go ahead and do some more TV movies and let's go ahead and pump up the show here or there that goes beyond the regular hour long allotment that we usually do. Part of that might be second guessing that, yeah, maybe we should have done it another season, but too late now. So yeah. maybe part well, of I that. Guess milk the revenue money as right. you can. But the other thing is part of why I think they did end the way they did on this episode and the way they scrunched so much together in the first 10 episodes, just rushing to get all this stuff done. And the way this episode ended, which if you look at it, if this episode were to be the last episode and there was never any more, I mean, you could call this the finale. In a way, it would have been like sort of a hmm, type of... Yeah, I mean, you would talk about yeah. it. You'd say, well, what will happen? Yeah. You know, well, they'll, they'll probably rebuild. Right. Blah, but, blah, blah. It, I mean, it could have been. And the thing is, there was a possibility because of the strike that that would have been the last episode. There was an article on one of the industry blogs that was talking about Battlestar was very much in danger of never coming back. 
if the strike had gone on, I don't know what the actual time was. Maybe it was another couple months or whatever months. There was a financial reason that they could not have brought it back. The situation was all the actors and some of the crew, they were signed on for a season, but you know, I don't want to get into the whole technical of it, but basically they were under no obligation to bring them back after a certain point. And at that time, the show season three hadn't done as well in the ratings. And it actually was getting to the point where they might not have come back. And on Ron Moore's blog, in a vague kind of way, he kind of alluded to this because he was saying, it seems incredible that we might not come back, but we need to do the strike. And I'm willing to sacrifice the show for what we need as our guild to accomplish. I hope it doesn't come to that, but I'm going to try everything I can to finish this story. But we're going to go on the strike because it's the right thing to do. But I think that is why, in some respects, why the show ended the way it did. Because this was the last one they shot before the strike. And I think they thought, well, if this is it, it with a capital I, this will be the ending that we'll have. So they kind of wrote it in such a way that... It could either end or it could be open to some more. Right. Yeah, actually, it could have ended this way and it would have totally been acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it's not Hollywood like, you know, you expect uh, happy endings and sort of uplifting thing. Okay, so Jen just called in for a little brief cameo and asked about the final four. Deanna says the final four isn't in your fleet. That pretty much, and you can argue maybe somehow, I don't know, but that eliminates pretty much everyone on the Galactica that we saw. Right. Gate is out. Adama's out. Lee is out. Diwala's out. All those guys are out. Right. Everybody. Zarek. Everybody. Everybody. So, now, I've been saying for a long time that it's someone who's dead. And believe me, if it turns out to be true, I'll be the first to trumpet it and I'll be playing all kinds of <laughs> snippets from previous podcasts that it was that's the way it was. But I'm not ready to say that's what it is. I think what it actually could very well be is that it's either someone hanging out on this pseudo-Earth or whatever it is who's been hanging around waiting for a long, long time for them to show up. Kind of like the... That's interesting. Kind of like the guy in, uh, like the knight in the Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. That one guy who's like hanging out in the temple. In the temple. Just waiting. He's just waiting for someone to come along. I've been waiting here for so long. <laughs> so, uh, I think it could be that. Maybe he's not on, he or she is not on Earth, but maybe it's like their next destination where they have to get to. Maybe they actually find the real opera house and I don't know. I am kind of worried that a long time ago, Ronald Moore made this statement about how he wanted to write this one scene at the end of, I think it was the first season, where Baltar goes into the opera house and there's Jimi Hendrix playing on the jukebox and Dirk Benedict comes out and says, I am God. And he fulfilled the first part of it about the Jimi Hendrix song because they did the, the Bob Dylan all on the Watchtower in the last season. I'm hoping he doesn't do some crazy thing with Dirk Benedict coming out being, hey, I'm the final guy or I'm the, I'm God. I've been orchestrating. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be bad news. Jen thinks it's Hilo and I wish I could uh, relay her theory. It's pretty good, but I can't do it justice, but I'll save it. I'll have her uh, log into the blog and type it out or something like that. Some people on our forum have mentioned similar things, but for me, it's not likely. Why would she not just walk up to the guy and go, Hey, you're on my ship. You're a Cylon. Well, maybe... Why would she go through this whole thing about, yeah. give me those people? Well, it's like, she'd pull them aside. Why have him rounded up with the other people? The bullheads can, like, you know, get twitchy and start shooting people. And, oh, darn it, Hilo was in there, too. He got a bullet to the head. He's dead. Oh, that sucks. Good point. Again, we've been looking for the final four. Now, we finally, we got the final four. But what does that give us? 
you know, now we're going to be talking about who's the final five. But what have these final four, what have they brought to the table, right? Right. I'll pay homage to Michelle. Tori's a slut. Okay. <laughs> and, and she went, and you know, like, she thinks, Tori thinks that if you're Cylon, then automatically you're a badass. Mm-hmm. She's going to go with them, and she's going to be a bad person, and that's just the way it is. She's going to be mean to Rosalind because Rosalind was mean to her, yada, yada. But, you know, what about Ty and the Chief and Anders? So now that we know they're Cylons, what do we have? I mean, do they have a special power? Do they have a special knowledge? They didn't actually direct anybody to Earth. They didn't do anything. The brand new Viper directed people to Earth. They didn't do anything. So what's, we've been searching for the final five (laughs) for a year Earth time, but what am I getting out of it? Right. Like, what is the point of finding the fifth one? Are they weaklings? separate but you put all five together they become some sort of like yeah. do they join hands and become a pentagram or something yeah i thought starbuck oh, they, when she was telling lee about this is the viper and this the hybrid said this and it's all come true and i was like it's kind of tenuous that logic because the hybrid said the four will lead you to the three it will lead you to the viper i mean i guess the only purpose that the four has served to this point was that they heard the squawking from the Viper's homing signal in their heads. And that led them to ask Starbuck to flip that switch. It could have easily have just been done with Starbuck. Right. I and thought that was really weak. I'm like, there's got to be more for them. And if Deanna's like, if you bring me the four, was like, does that mean the fifth wasn't necessary? You can get by with four? Like, how can does she know the fifth isn't there? Well, because she's seen it and uh, maybe she knows that the fifth one is... You know, no one she's seen before, it was someone who was dead. No, but you're right. So she either knows who the fifth is, mm-hmm. or the fifth is dead, because she w- otherwise she would have said, bring me the five. Right. I mean, how does she know the four are on the Galactica? Right. They're obviously, they're recognizable to her, because she saw them on New Caprica a million of times. So either the fifth one is one that she had saw and knows to be dead, or the fifth one is someone she'd never seen before, which kind of is weird, because there's 30-some thousand people in the fleet, I don't think she saw every single one of them on New Caprica. Yeah. So she couldn't, with absolute certainty, say, no, there's this one. I don't recognize him. Uh, probably not your fleet. You know, I don't think so. But anyway, back to the other point. She was okay with having four there. Apparently don't need five. Well, do you need four? Maybe it's just three. I mean, do you need just one? What, what, does, she, what does she need them for? What does for? she need them for other than just to create the, the complete Cylon family? At the beginning, it was forbidden yeah. for them to even talk about them, and then, but it was forbidden in such a way that it seemed like your parents raised you never to say that word, kind of thing. Right. Well, then all of a sudden one day you don't just wake up and start saying that word. So why was she all of a sudden like, "Well, bring them to me"? She should have been like, "Oh my god, okay, uh, bring them to me." You know, like been a little weirded out. Speaking of weirded out, Starbucks seemed a little like. Uh, come on, really? <laughs> when she was told to go into the Viper and check it out because there's some sort of message, she's got to go find it. She seemed a little, uh, I got better things to do kind of attitude <laughs> where in previous episodes, it was all about, we're jumping too far away. We're jumping too far away. You know, and then the whole Demetrius thing and like totally, absolutely ape shit drawing paintings on the wall mm. and, you know, freaking out and, you know, having all this descent inside the ship and the mutiny and everything. And then she's given this opportunity to go back into the shiny Viper, which she was in for 
whatever for so long and she kind of she's apprehensive about searching out it just seemed weird her intensity and drive somehow just stopped right and she became kind of just this normal starbuck again from like before that's something they need to address as they need to get back to again i have confidence they'll do it it's just something they need to get back to is how did she come back from cuckooville from not just cuckooville but but how did she come back from the dead essentially because you watch that clip over and over again of the Viper going into the Maelstrom, the metal renders into pieces and blows up. And how that happened. Yeah. They need to explain that. They need to explain that, but the Viper and the button here is Earth on the Dratus thing. That would have been easily done if, you know, the, the three Cylons are there. She comes in and they're like, you need to search this Viper because it's got information. She should have just said... I've been telling you that for months. <laughs> you know, boom, done. Mm-hmm. Tie it right back into itself, right. and then and then she's in there fiddling around mm-hmm. and pushes the Earth button. I guess the thing that's curious is uh, Jane Espenson, who wrote uh, the Hub episode, wrote uh, an entry on TV Squad blog or something like that, where she talked about them watching this final episode and how they, the producers, thought it was like one of the best they've ever done, and. I can see how they can feel that from a watching it in terms of, you know, the acting and the technical aspects of it. But again, I felt it was too rushed. But anyway, to get to the point, she said that she really wishes that we could watch the next one almost immediately after because they almost go together as two parts of a whole. Unfortunately, we have to wait months and months. But it is sort of strange that if they are going to bridge it with these webisodes, that's kind of like a weird sort of filler in between if, if they are truly bookends to the same story. But Maybe she um, said that before they wrote those. Yeah, it could be. But I guess the thing that I hope they get to almost immediately, I hope it's the next episode. As I mentioned on a previous podcast, one of the things that bugs me in long fiction, movies, TV, is when characters don't share information with other characters for no good reason other than prolonging the story. Something will happen and the reader is like going, oh God, just say that just happened. Say it just happened. Why don't you, you know. But anyway, what is the reason for Diana not to say in the very next episode? The fifth one is X. Why would she hold that as a secret anymore? The first thing they should do is like, oh, this is terrible. Hey, not that that matters, but who is the fifth silent? And fifth silent is dead. The fifth silent is yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, why wouldn't they do that? Other than just to prolong it. A great classic case of prolonging. Well, not prolonging, but just one character not telling another character is Boomer. Should have been spilling her guts to Adama about everything Cylon that she knows. You mean Athena? Athena, Athena. sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Athena should have been spilling everything she knows to Adama. Just, just sitting down in a room, just, just debriefing, just, oh, yeah. just, just spilling her guts because, hello. That's been a pet peeve of mine ever <sighs> since Razor that she doesn't tell all this stuff. In the last episode, Rosalind had a line where she is talking to an eight who has her fingers in that water. And she's like, you can access it through that interface? And the eight's like, well, yeah, duh. (laughs) We're like, again, it should have been like, how is that not common knowledge? Why wouldn't Athena had said at some point? And we have these, you know, these interfaces that are made of this liquid, so better conductivity of the blah, 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 you know, some technical reason. And we don't have to see that as viewers, but we have to assume that at some point they sat back and said, okay, to give us a better tactical advantage about what the hell we're up against, 
Tell us everything you can about a base star, a Cylon Raider, the the bullet heads. We always say this because, you know, hindsight 2020, but, you know, we are fantastic writers. <laughs> we could have, they could have easily done like a, a room with a huge table, a couple of upper seniority staff, Athena's sitting there and she's talking and there's like papers and then it just, it pans out, goes to a commercial, it comes back and there's just like thousands of papers. There's stuff pinned to the wall. The glass has got drawings on it. There's more people in the room. It would have taken a minute and then later Rosalind on the base star could have said, oh, so that's the interface. Exactly. You know, and then done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just some things I really liked. At the very end, it was basically one take. The shot of Adama sticking his hand in the soil, pulling it up. The Geiger counter comes in. There's the clackety-clack of that. The camera comes up. You see his face. And then the camera moves off. It tracks to the right. And you see the various characters, all their reactions. Really great. One long take. I loved it. The thing I took the most out of it was they're all looking very forlorn, solemn. They're just disappointed. The one character kind of see him in the background, who was kind of shaking his head and cracking up, was Chief. He was just like, big joke's on us, man. <laughs> I, I loved it. Because it, it was just like, he's been just, you know, he's just been kicked in the balls by this god. And uh, he's just like, you know what? This is just fitting. This is just great. Just fucking great, you know? So I love that. Okay, let's get to a voicemail from Amanda. Hey, guys. This is Amanda from Pennsylvania. I just have to say... What an awesome mid-season finale. I was so lucky enough to actually attend the screening, and it was just as cool as it is on the big screen. Love the whole Planet of the Apes ending, and that's just going to bring up so many questions and all that great stuff. My only thing I'm a little miffed about is we still don't know about the Opera House. I mean, I've been waiting since Crossroads Part 2 last year, and they didn't even, ugh, nothing. I mean, that's the reason why Rosalind was on the stupid base star, just to answer this stupid opera house vision or whatever. Well, it's okay. I guess we can wait till 2009, two years, for one plot to wrap up. I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Talk to you later. Bye. First, I'd like to say thank you, Amanda, for uh, noticing the Planet of the Apes scene. <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> Yeah, there's the opera house. That needs to be wrapped up. The other thing I would like to see wrapped up is from a character side. We saw Tori at the very beginning of the season become homicidal. She killed Callie. She kind of came into her own in terms of like reveling in this power that she was assuming as being one of the highly exalted Cylons and giving lip to Rosalind like, I'm not going to take it from you anymore. You know what happens with that? Is she going to ever have her comeuppance? At the end of the episode, she was one of those solemn people. Did she, did she feel like, oh, I guess it all wasn't worth it? Or, I mean, did... Does she get what's coming to her? Yeah, I mean, what what's going to happen to that? What's going to happen with Ty? I mean, how is he going to reconcile his relationship with everybody? Like, all the, all the silence, like Anders and Starbuck, what's going to happen with them? I have a feeling, I mean, there's a lot of loose ends, and unfortunately, I don't think they're going to wrap in, they're not going to wrap them all up, like the, you were saying, the Viper going down, Starbucks Viper blowing up, that's gone. They're not going to wrap that one up, because they're on Earth already, it doesn't matter. It's going to be one of those, hmm, well, I don't know, God. The thing that is in their benefit and in their favor now is that they can go anywhere. They can do pretty much anything they want. When they were on New Caprica, 
that was a big twist, but they were still somewhat restricted about what they could do because there was still the Silence were in control, the Galactica was out there somewhere. They were somewhat restrained by a few conventions that they had to stick with. Right now, they could do anything they want. Other than the fact that maybe out there somewhere, there's the rest of the Cylon fleet that could possibly come after them. But other than that, they can do anything they want. They, this story could go in any direction. And I guess the writers might be liberated by that. And, you know, let's see what they can do. Right. Well, if, if you assume that they only had one and they're not going to go back to the home world, the Cylons that are at on Earth, then, yeah, it is totally open because now they're completely human. They can't resurrect. I mean, that was the only thing that the Cylons had. Well, other than superhuman strength, right? Right. But that does leave a lot, a lot of questions like all those Cylons back at the original colonies who are doing scientific experiments on the planet. What about them? Yeah. Or is that just like, that doesn't matter? Well, it, it should matter because if you go back and watch the first season and the opening credits, you always saw they have a plan. That was the thing that came up. And I was like, well, okay, what was the plan? I guess you could say, well, the plan was to find a way for them to reproduce so that they could be a human uh, and that was the big plan. But it felt like it was more grandiose than that. It wasn't just that we're going to find a way to reproduce. It was something really meaty. meaty. And we were led to believe that it was something with the Opera House. That something really was in there that was going to just make you go, wow. And next episode, whenever that may be, they're going to they're gonna have to change the opening credits because the four are no longer in secret. They're not trying to find a home called Earth. They found Earth. What's it going to be? What are they going to do? That's going to be our first clue, the first couple seconds. With the road open before them, what path will the writers take? Because they can go almost anywhere. I mean, they still have to wrap some things up, but they can go about any number of ways to do it. Yeah. I thought it was a little presumptuous of the fleet to just descend on Earth like that. If all of a sudden a bunch of alien ships started descending on Earth, <laughs> I mean, there's two things that could happen. Nothing. <laughs> Or just all sorts of ballistic missiles start right. shooting up at them. And plus, they should already know that the planet was annihilated from space. Right. They would, Gata or whomever would have already done a scan. They would have figured out, uh, you know, there's buildings, but they're all wrecked. There's nobody there. Yeah. I mean, it's not Star Trek where they can pinpoint down to the most ridiculous detail about what's going on on the planet and you know how many people there are and what kind of technology they have. You know, they don't have that kind of scanning technology, but they would be able to say, huh. We're not picking up any radio signals. We're not picking up anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no signals. Uh, so it, it just it was really quick. I mean, it was missing a little bit of that sci-fi. Like, well, yeah. how do you know it's air? How do you know you can breathe it? You don't bring out the Geiger counter after you're standing on this radioactive <laughs> right? dirt. You bring it out <laughs> yeah. before you standing yeah. on the radioactive. I mean, it was. I mean, what it did was it allowed you to have that shot. Yeah, that, the one well, shot, shot, which was the really good shot. So I totally absolved them of. Of it. Of so, the wrongdoing. Of the wrongdoing, because it was really, really cool. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Maybe they went down knowing that something is not looking like it should. Let's see with our own eyes. And it's worse than they thought. It's, it's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Grade-wise, originally, I was just the shock of what I had seen and the disappointment about how quickly things had wrapped up. I was not quite as enthusiastic about it. But thinking about it, I came around a little bit to appreciate it more. And again, part of it is... I've given it a B minus because for the first three quarters of the episode, I felt it was fast and the whole standoff thing. To borrow from Jason, like I'm giving the last bit where they find Earth, I'm giving it incomplete. He says that a lot, but it's true because 
without knowing what's coming next, and it could be anything, I don't know what's going to happen. But I am much, much more positive and I have more confidence than I did at first after thinking about it and giving the benefit of the doubt to the writers and the producers and Ron Moore that I feel that they're going to take the last 10 and just run like crazy with it. I really think it's going to blow our minds. I think you're going to, we're going to see stuff that we didn't think possible. And that's why they need six months. Well, no, they don't need six months because they're done. They're essentially, they're finishing up right now. They're doing the last episode right now. Then what's the six months break for? Uh, entirely for the network's benefit because they don't want to go up against the fall schedule. I don't know. It's stupid. I mean, what does it matter if they're going up against the fall schedule? I mean, if it's not like the people who are watching sci-fi are going to watch something else on Friday on the network. Right. Yeah. It's, it's asinine. Well, I, I don't know. It's, it's all network politics. Who knows? Uh, well, I was going to give it an A before, uh, not a high A, it was going to be a low A, actually, because there were some things I didn't particularly like. But after our conversation, and you did bring some, you did remind me of the of the rush. So I'll give it a B, a B plus. All right, then. We will wrap up this episode. want to remind you that we will be back very soon to have a more comprehensive wrap-up of the season so far and our thoughts and predictions for what's to come with emails, voicemails, and postings from our forums from listeners like you. So please keep us subscribed. Our voicemail is 206-350-6756. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. The jump clock is running. So say we all. See you next time. If we only had some wings to wash the beer down with. (laughs) Uh, Yep. Mm. That would hit the spot. That would hit the spot right now. Some wings.